Yes. Yes, you can clap for that. That is awesome. Welcome to the Hope Campaign. Of course, if you're around here, welcome back. We're in week four of the Hope Campaign. I love hearing stories of the Douglases where they found hope and they're giving hope to others. Like, that's super cool. Uh, my name is Joe Porter. I'm on staff here at Whitewater. I get to lead the creative team. And I love... Does anybody else see a little girl swinging? <laughs> I'm not the only one that sees that, right? No, this is my daughter, Brooklyn. Wave. Say hi. Yes. Hi, Brooklyn. Uh, you know, when you were a kid on a swing, all that hope and possibility that you would feel, right? And sometimes in life, I feel like we just find ourselves chasing that feeling over and over. I remember when I was a kid, I loved to do everything but swing just like that, right? It was like all, anything that was not regular swinging, I would do. So now I have kids, I have the privilege of passing along my ways of, you know, standing. This is, you know, kids love to do this, a little standing action. Yeah, that's nice, nice and smooth. I had the privilege of teaching them the ways of the swing. So earlier I would, uh, or later on in life, I would start like laying on my stomach and I would like start like spinning until I was like pretty nauseous basically. You know, demonstrate that Brooklyn, just like that. Just until you're about to throw up. And really chasing that feeling of hope when we were kids, it's kind of like what the Hope Campaign is all about. So if you're just jumping in this series, we're spending six weeks to raise hope around Whitewater. Uh, we've got a devotional guide. Many of you all are reading that. You can still pick up one of those at the Hope Wall. Um, it is awesome. That was written by many of you all, so well done with that. Are you a little dizzy now? <laughs> Uh, of course, many of you all are doing the small groups. You're in a whole group for the first time. That's awesome. We've got an amazing night of worship coming up. Where we're going to be doing some Solve 7 projects and giving hope. And then we're going to come in here and sing songs of hope. So you definitely want to be there. It's next Thursday in place of this service at 6, 630. And of course, many of you all last week signed your name to the Hope Wall and kind of declared to the world, I found hope. So it's just like a beautiful work of art to see all that over there. So if you haven't done that already, you can do that after the service, go over there and write your name. That would be awesome. So I, uh, I felt like for the campaign statement, that is just like a perfect statement. Uh, fear is the anticipation of evil, but hope is the anticipation of good. Or stated another way, fear is the anticipation of bad stuff happening, and hope is the anticipation of like good stuff happening, right? So when I think about this swing, when I was older, I started doing some really dumb things. Fear would be like jumping through the swing and fearing that you're going to catch your foot on it and then hit your face on the platform, right? Hope, though, is that you can clear it, right? So I was just, just trying to decide, like, fear or hope tonight? What do you all think? Hope. All right, we'll try it. All right. There we go. We're already starting off. Can I, can I jump through this one? Okay, you can. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, Brooklyn wants to jump through it. Her mom didn't know about this part. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everybody give Brooklyn a hand. Thank you. A little bow. Thank you. <laughs> I really just want to do that to get my heart going a little bit. That was nice. Yeah. So when we talk about good things happening, it reminds me of one of the, my favorite verses. Uh, that I claimed uh, in my life uh, growing up, and it's Romans 8, 28. And um, I learned it in the King James Version when I was a kid, so we'll read it in that. 
And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Or the shortened version that fits nicer, like on a meme or a rustic piece of wood, is all things work together for good. So it'd be kind of like this little image here. I found like a bunch of these images. Like that's like, you know, if that's in your house, that's okay. I'm not saying that's bad, but like we fit this little verse and in my life, I feel like uh, it's been taken out of context a lot. And I hear a little bit of a ringing. Is that just me? I'm not from jumping through the swing maybe? I don't know. <laughs> uh, so it's not a bad verse, but now I feel like we apply this, this verse um, a little bit incorrectly sometimes. And I think it depends on what our definition of good is when I think about this. Good must mean things work out the way I want them to, right? Or I'm secure or I'm stable. I have a job that I feel fulfilled in. I make lots of money, right? Or things work out fairly for me. Or good must mean I can provide for my family at least. Or have good health or take great vacations. Like all the good stuff, right? In the, uh, in the seventh grade, I felt very strongly God's calling in my life to help and minister to people. And so I claimed Romans 8.28. I just knew good things would happen because I believed that I loved God. But things were not working out for me. By the time I was 21 years old, I had dropped out of college. I was a middle manager at a third-party debt collection. And uh, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever gotten a call from somebody about a past due bill? If it was a couple people raised their hand, they're like, no shame, man. <laughs> well, if it was 14 years ago, that might have been me. It's not the most desirable job, um, to say the least. I was decent at it, and I was making enough money to provide for my young family at the time, but it was like incredibly high stress, and I worked long hours, and I didn't really like the person I was becoming um, because of that. So I won't go into detail about all of our nefarious practices as debt collectors, but they were not noble, I can tell you that. Then an opportunity fell on my lap, a dream job, where I could have more flexibility with my family um, and make better money working in investments and in finance. So I was certain, okay, this is the good that God promised in that verse. This is it. So I left collections. I was so hopeful. But a year later, I failed at my dream job. I found another job in finance with my own office now with a door this time, which that's a big deal for a 22-year-old dropout. I was super excited about that. But I was so bad at that job, I got fired again. So this is like not going well, right? This is not good, but all things work together for good, right? I still had so much hope in getting the right job and making a lot of money. Somehow I convinced yet another investment company, I have no idea how, to hire me. So then, boom, finally, happily ever after, I made like mad stacks, solved all the world's problems, so happy. No, <laughs> of course not. I got fired four months after that. So in case you've lost track, that's fired three times in two short years. I was rocking it. So needless to say, my hopes were crushed, right? I was done. None of the good things uh, happened that I was hoping for. I had an amazing two-year-old son at the time and a beautiful wife, and I feared that they would see me as a failure. Now, some of that was beyond my control but most of it, that was my own making. I definitely started to have doubts as to what God's plan was, or if even I was pursuing a good thing at all. 
Which just leads me to a really common myth about hope. This is the myth. I'll find hope when my circumstances change. I'll find hope when my circumstances change. We believe this myth because it works a lot of the time until it just doesn't. Most of our hope for the future is for the good things, the way that we define them, right? An upcoming much-needed vacation, finding a significant other who's going to fulfill us finally, getting out of debt, resolution of a health issue. But when our hope or our happiness is contingent upon our circumstances changing, we're setting ourselves up to lose hope. Now, we should definitely be super excited about the little thing coming up in our lives, like a new season of Stranger Things, which I'm totally excited about. We should definitely pray for God to bless us beyond our wildest dreams, like the prayer of Jabez, maybe, right? Or maybe you're just, right now in this season, you're just begging for God to make the pain stop. But here's the problem with placing all of our hope in the outcome of these very specific prayers for something God has not necessarily promised us. When God doesn't give us what we want, what then? Is he not good? Is he not God? Do we not have enough faith, maybe? We usually have this picture of how we want things to turn out in our minds. But when those expectations are not met, we start to lose hope and we doubt. So here's a little equation that my very brilliant wife uh, has mounted in her office. She's a psychiatric nurse practitioner, and she has this in there for all of her patients to see. So it's happiness equals reality minus expectations. Happiness equals reality minus expectations. So which part of this equation might you be stuck on? Are your expectations greater than your reality? You're like, wait, I didn't want to do math tonight, Joe. <laughs> you can do the math at home, it's okay. Or maybe your expectations are lower than your reality. Here's a more simple visual. I was trying to just find a way to really condense it down even more because I'm kind of a simple guy. So expectations, reality. So like if you ever try to sleep with your pet, that is basically how it goes, foot in the face. So when I was jobless, third time in a row, I was definitely starting to lose hope, right? I did not see my circumstances as the good that I was promised in Romans. So by show of hands this time, I would like to know in the audience, like how many of you all have been in a situation, you might even be in a season right now, where you started to lose hope at some point in your life? Anybody with me? Awesome, okay. So you're in good company. Uh, if you've ever doubted God or your hope has been shaken, I want to also show you a guy in the Bible who had hope, he lost that hope, and yet was still able to give hope to others. You may have heard of him. His name is John the Baptist. For some of you who might be new, um, a lot of you all, it's going to be a re review. Luke is a disciple of Jesus, so he writes this record. Luke 3, verse 2 through 6-ish. Uh, I think we're going uh, to six or five. This is going to be in the message translation, so you can read it in the mobile app or up on the screen or jump on your, uh, your app on your phone. Here we go. John, Zachariah's son, out in the desert at the time, received a message from God. He went all through the country around the Jordan River, preaching a baptism of life change leading to forgiveness of sins, as described in the words of Isaiah the prophet. So another passage says John lived in the desert, he wore animal skins and ate uh, locust and wild honey. So I could probably get on the board with the honey. I'm not sure about the locust. I don't know if that was like a, a thing of the time. 
But uh, Luke's, John, Luke's record of John continues, okay? When crowds of people came out for baptism because it was a popular thing to do, John exploded. Brood of snakes, what do you think you're doing slithering down here to the river? Do you think a little water on your snake skins is going to deflect God's judgment? It's your life that must change, not your skin. Dang, John's like, he's really coming down hard on those who are wanting to treat baptism like a ritual and their hearts were not transformed. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I don't have time, but you should read through it because he continues to kind of go on about this. Most of us, we grew up with certain rituals that we performed, but there was little life transformation, right? Okay, I got to leave that, even though it's super cool. I would like to stay there. So John is a pretty big deal, all right? Early Christian faith, he's like a big deal. He's not playing around when he does an all-in baptism day. Jesus even said once of John, there is none born of woman any greater than John the Baptist. So John devoted his entire life to following God, and he risked everything. So much so, he ended up in prison for his reckless abandon for the kingdom of God. So we read, we pick it up in Matthew's gospel account, Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. Meanwhile, John had been locked up in prison. When he got wind of what Jesus was doing, he sent his own disciples to ask, are you the one we've been expecting, or are we still waiting? So even though we would, I would classify John as like this rock star Christ follower, right? Even he started to lose hope, doubt, and question God's plan when he was in prison. But that, I mean, I guess that makes sense, right? When you're in prison, John is saying like, hey, Jesus, I pinned everything on you. Have I wasted my life? Was this your plan all along? Wait, did I eat locusts for nothing? Like, what? He's like out of his mind in prison, so he sends a messenger. Guys, John was doubting, and we'll see in a moment, Jesus can handle the doubts. By the way, we serve a God that is big enough to handle your questions and doubts. Sometimes I personally feel like we're scared to doubt and question God. I've recently been feeling God prompt me to stop always looking for answers in everything and to just look up in awe of him sometimes or just get down on my knees in reverence. Or maybe just embrace the wonder that is life just like it did when I was a kid on that swing. So Jesus heard John's doubts, all right? So how does he respond? How's Jesus gonna, he sends a messenger back and Jesus told them, go back and tell John what's going on. The blind walk, the blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed. Actually, I feel like the messengers were probably like really delivering this with all their gusto. Like they're like, they prepared, they came, they showed up. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the wretched of the earth learn that God is on their side. Is this what you are expecting? Then count yourselves most blessed. So Jesus, he could have broken John out of prison, right? But he didn't. He could have given John hope by changing John's circumstances, but he didn't. Jesus could have made the earthly pain stop for John, but he didn't. He gives John words of hope and encouragement and a reminder of the ways Jesus has been working and changing lives, even while John was in prison. Another layer, this is a bonus, so dig in with me just for a half second. 
Those words that Jesus used to communicate to John, uh, that's Jesus quoting promises way back from the book of Isaiah, written hundreds of years or earlier. And John, being a devout Jew, he would have read those very words from Isaiah that foreshadowed the work of Christ. So it had even more meaning for John when he heard those words. All right, so we talked about a hope myth. I'll have hope when my circumstances change, right? Here's a hope truth. I'll regain hope when I come out of isolation. I'll regain hope when I come out of isolation. And when we come out of isolation, finally, hope comes from hearing and seeing that God is at work. Just take a look at the hope wall. I mean, God is at work. Just take a look around you. God is at work. You're surrounded by the works of God, and that's why every week we tell a Whitewater Difference story. We need to hear and see God at work on a regular basis. I need to hear and see it on a regular basis. But we've got to come out of isolation to experience all of this. Notice Jesus didn't beat John up for doubting. He didn't come back with like, dude, how could you? You know who I am. Jesus anticipates John's doubt, and he encourages him. We all need someone who can not only tolerate our doubt, but anticipate it, welcome it, and speak encouragement when we lose hope in our lives, right? For me, this usually comes in a mentor or a small group for me. It's a safe place where I can wrestle with questions about God. If you don't have a mentor or someone you're mentoring, we talked about this weeks ago in the last series, or at least in a hope group, then like, what are you waiting for? Because we will regain hope when we finally come out of isolation. And I'm talking about out of spiritual isolation. Maybe you've got people around you and there's noise and there's movement, but you're in spiritual isolation. So we can receive hope and give hope to others. We, we need each other for this whole thing, right? All right, so remember the myth hope, the hope myth of I'll experience hope when my circumstances change. Here's the true side of that myth. Second hope truth, I'll regain hope when I allow God to change me. So I'm having you all participate here again. I'm going to say that phrase, but at the end, I want you all to say the word me. And I want you to actually point to yourself when you say that. All right, I'm going to say it one more time. I'll regain hope when I allow God to change me. It's not my circumstances, right? So my wife and I, we have two kids. So anybody here has felt, have they ever felt hopeless when trying to raise kids? <laughs> it's not just me, right? or when you've raised grandkids. Like the future does not look bright at times. I tend to have a catastrophic way of thinking when it comes to our kids. So like my kid disrespected the teacher today, so obviously he's gonna turn out to be a loser and drain on society, yeah. My kid just lied to me, so of course he's gonna grow up to be a notorious con artist. Uh, you're looking at one right there, con artist. <laughs> She's like, what? Sometimes it can take another, it's really a wise and trusted person to speak hope and truth into your life. For me, it was my therapist. You're like, wait, the guy talking and speaking to me has a therapist? Like, yeah. I also have a doctor for the, my neck down. So it's crazy, right? It's like the whole thing. But I was talking to my therapist, all right, and it, talking about how best to lead my kids. And in my mind, if I could just change their behavior, right? Just change the behavior, then the circumstances would change, and then that would make me a good parent, or happy, or bring peace, or whatever it is I felt like I was looking for. It took some time for me until I realized that 
Instead of focusing on changing my kids, I could instead focus on changing myself. There were unhealthy things about the way I was approaching and speaking to my kids. It wasn't until I started to ask God to change me instead of other people that I started to see breakthroughs and growth, not only in my life, but in my family's life. It's like a ripple effect. And that's what God wants for all of us. He hears our cries. He wants us to experience life to the fullest and be hopeful. But he might be asking you and I to make some tough changes to get there. I know some of us are in a season like John where we feel like we're in this metaphorical prison. And it wasn't even a prison of your own making, but maybe it was, like me. When I think back on this dark time in my life, being jobless, no education, no prospects, I was asking God to make some changes in my circumstances. But he was much more interested in changing me and humbling me. So at that time, it helped that by then my wife had graduated college with a nursing degree, so had a sugar mama to get me some financial buffer to figure some of this stuff out. Part of that figuring stuff out for me was working day labor jobs, uh, one of which, kid you not, I worked at a bunt cake factory. Uh, I cleaned out the bunt cake fans on, uh, pans on the line, and the place was called Muffin Ma'am. <sighs> Boy, can God really speak to you when there are eight hours of just your thoughts on a factory line while wearing a beard net. Just shocking how he can use that. I'm just amazed, I continue to be amazed at how much love and concern God has for me as a person, not necessarily meeting all my goals in my life. I'm going to say that again. I am continually amazed at how much love and concern God has with growing me as a person, not necessarily meeting all of my goals in life, no matter how great I think they are. All right, so we did Hope Truth 1, Come Out of Isolation 2, Allow God to change me. Hope truth three, God's good isn't always going to make us feel good. But he's God, right? He has the big picture we don't. We, know, we don't know what God is doing upstream in our lives that is radically going to impact his kingdom in our future. I can definitely tell you one of John's goals was not to be in prison and eventually die in prison. Was that John's version of good? Was that God working things out for the good? I feel like I can picture, though, John the Baptist hearing the works of God from this messenger and being assured in this faith and leaning his head back against the cold, damp cell. And he was good. He was full of hope. Just think of the impact his life has made in the world since then. And it's so liberating, like I can't describe, just so, it's so liberating and hopeful when you get to this place of embracing who God wants you to be. King David experienced this, and he wrote about it in the Psalms. Now, don't get me wrong, David wrote like a ton of poetry about how miserable and sad he was. Life is hard, but God is good. That's the Psalms theme, right? It wasn't all sunshine and roses, but he, he did write this, Psalm 105, 1 through 4. Maybe you should put this on your mirror, because this is like just super, super cool. Hallelujah, thank God, praise to Him by name. Tell everyone you meet what He has done. Sing Him songs, belt out hymns, translate His wonders into music. Honor His holy name with hallelujahs, you who seek God. Live a happy life. 
Keep your eyes open for God. Watch for his works. Be alert for signs of his presence. Remember the world of wonders he has made, his miracles, and the verdicts he's rendered. Now that all sounds like good stuff to me. Maybe, maybe this is the good that was promised in Romans. Maybe that verse we started with, all things work together for good. Worshiping, when, worshiping him with my whole life, that is good. Singing to him like we just did tonight, that is good. Standing in awe of him in creation is good. Keeping my eyes open for his presence, especially in other people. We can approach God, our creator, through Jesus, and that is really the ultimate hope, to be back in relationship with our creator God. And that restored relationship is only made possible through his son, Jesus. And this relationship with God not only brings hope for eternity, but for the next day, or the next hour, or maybe you just need it for the next minute. That's why the word hope is always on our wall in this room. Over here to your right, it's as if it's coming down from heaven and bridging that relational gap that starts in the waters of baptism. Today, you might just be looking, though, for a way out for the debt collectors to stop calling, right? Maybe for your cycle of hopelessness just to change. And the only thing that breaks that cycle, that offers breakthrough, is a life rooted in Christ. I had someone reach out to me and share their story of hope, their I found hope story. And uh, I'm gonna call her Jessica. She said, growing up, I only saw my birth dad a handful of times. I was always out to prove I was worthy. So maybe, maybe my dad would come back into my life. I'm now an adult and that day hasn't come. A few weeks ago, I saw my dad when I least expected. I walked up to him with some others around me but I froze, couldn't say anything, and we barely spoke. I braved myself to be ready to see him again. After I read my daily hope devotional that day, it talked about holding bitterness and holding grudges. It said how we have to forgive so God can forgive us. We ask why so many times for so many things, Jessica says. I do it, we all do. I'm choosing to put one foot in front of the other daily and move forward. I have a plan for when I see him again. I plan to look my dad in the eyes and say, I forgive you for what has happened. It has made me the stronger person I am today. So whether God puts him back in my life or not, I am gonna live my life for my Holy Father, the one who loves me and shows me daily. Jessica's story doesn't give us that like hallmark Disney fairy tale ending with an emotional hug between the father and daughter, does it? But it's not about our good. It's about his good. And and that fact has given Jessica hope. So maybe today you're here as like a last ditch effort, right? You've waited and you've waited for your circumstances to change. So you can just breathe Breathe a fresh breath of hope, maybe for the first time in your life or since you were a child. Don't pass up this chance today to embrace the hope that Jesus provides. If baptism is the next step, just like we saw during this service for you, the water is always warm. You can come down right after the service and we'll baptize you.
For a lot of us, we need to come out of isolation. Start to ask God what he wants to change inside of us. Start coming to a table group if you're not in a group. and Just jump right in on Sunday nights. You can get into a group. Or come down after the service and just share somebody your story and have them pray with you. Somebody will be right up here at the end every service. Maybe just start reading through that hope devotional. You can still pick up one in the atrium or just crack the Bible and start reading it. Because maybe what you thought was good, okay, and maybe it wasn't actually good, like me. But his good was better than my great on my best day. Even when his good left me jobless and wandering, it was those circumstances that led me to here now with the platform and opportunity to inspire hope, to point people to Jesus, to use my gifts and abilities in a way that I have dreamed of doing ever since I was a little kid. And I'm here to tell you that his good is better than your great. Will you guys stand with me and pray? God, your good is what we seek. Not the good the way we define it. And we just come before you humbly, just as your servant, and say we love you, do what you want in our lives. Help us to be brave and make the changes needed so we can experience hope and continue to experience hope in our lives. Because that's what you want. You want this full life for us, God. And we can have it. We can have it. Thank you for all the blessings and the beautiful sky and the sun today and just all your creation that cries out that you are God. Help us to worship you with our lives all throughout the week so other people can see that there is hope, there is hope, and they can see that in our lives every day. Thank you, thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you all, have a good week.